0: Job chapter number 37, going to bring you a message this morning that's probably in my repertoire. It's about 20 years old, but I've never preached it here. This will probably be a series of messages, and so get ready for about three Sundays, two or three Sundays here in a row as we look at something that is much needed today called balance. Balance from Job Chapter number 37, what a joy it is to be saved, to be free, to be in the house of God, to be enjoying our freedom this morning, and uh, thank God, let me just go on record, America's got a lot of problems, America's got a lot of sin, America's got a lot of issues, but I thank God for America, I thank God for the freedom that we have and for the men and women who have made this country possible for the patriots' dreams that saw through the years, over 200 years now, we've seen through and, and uh, thank, just thank God for the freedom purchased. But thank God for the real freedom, spiritual freedom that was purchased on the cross of Calvary. Thank God for the spiritual freedom. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, get right into the message. Father, we're grateful for the day. Thank you for the choir that sang. Thank you for our country. Thank you that as we celebrate this 4th of July, that our freedoms are still intact. And Lord, as I've prayed before, I don't know exactly how to pray for America other than to just pray for grace. Lord, if there was ever a time when we needed your grace, we've sinned, we've become wicked, We've become an unbalanced nation, and I just pray for grace, Lord. Pray for your mercy on us, Father. We don't deserve it. We're not standing here even claiming that we deserve your grace and mercy. But, Father, we ask you for it because we know you are a God of grace and mercy. Bless now as we study together the Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You're in your place in Job 37. We'll get there in just a minute. I want to make some opening comments because this is a series I'm going to try to go slow. I'm not going to preach the next two couple of Sundays, maybe three Sundays. I'm just going to try to, I'm not even going to try to be dogmatic or give you doctrine. What I want to do the next little while is just give you something to chew on, give you something to think about. And hopefully this will change your life and maybe keep you from making mistakes or or having an extreme radical attitude. Because as I look at our world today, I observe that we have become a very unbalanced society. Our world has become unsteady. Our, Our whole societies, global societies, are just even, what you say, staggering or wobbly. Nobody knows right from wrong anymore. Nobody knows standards anymore, morals anymore. It's just like we're, you know, like a jellyfish has no bone structure and just floats around in the ocean. It just seems that's where people are today. And I'm glad to tell you this morning that the Word of God will add structure to your life. Salvation will add structure to your life. Knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior will add balance. We don't have to walk through life staggering, wobbly. We can know the Savior and have the equilibrium that we need to walk straight. Amen. I heard yesterday that, you know, Michigan passed the law that if you mistakenly call a person a wrong pronoun, if you call a he a she or a she a he, it's no longer just a civil offense, but it is a legal offense. Let me just say right off the bat, that is Unbalanced. That is unreasonable, that is illogical, and that is where we've come to in our nation. A legal offense by using the wrong pronoun and misgendering somebody. Now let me just say from the pulpit, it's mighty easy in today's wicked society to misgender somebody. Well, I told you I wasn't going to get dogmatic and I already have, didn't I? Our society has become imbalanced. Our government swings from the right to the left. We elect a radical right-hand president, and the next thing you know, we've elected a radical left-hand president, and the rest of the world is laughing at our instability. We're no longer balanced. We're no longer able to govern people according to right and reason. We got one side tugging us too far one way and one side tugging us too far the other way. And we're like a pendulum that finds no balance in the middle. So as we get unbalanced, you see the Bible says, listen, I'm going to get ahead of myself right here, but I'm going to take my time. You're going to see me in a different mood on Sunday mornings for a little while. The Bible says, let your moderation be known to all men. You know what moderation is? Moderation is the avoidance of extremes. And the Bible says, when I preach on balance, I'm going to get some fire from some of my preacher friends. But it's okay. I'm getting the word of God. Moderation is the avoidance of extremes. So if I'm a moderate person and I'm using reason rash and led by the Spirit of God, I'm going to consider both sides. That doesn't mean I'm going to agree with either side or live ungodly on one side or live like a Pharisee on the other side. It just means that I'm trying to be a balanced person. I believe our Lord was a balanced person, and I'll prove that to you from Scripture. So everything, let me just just hit us with some common sense, common sense. Everything in our world needs to be balanced. From the basics of life to the intricate machines that we drive, Uh, balance builds stability. Let me say that again. Balance builds stability. When you walk, you have to maintain through your ears and brain, you have to maintain an equilibrium to walk straight. When your car runs, it has pistons firing on both sides and it needs what's called in the engine a harmonic balancer which offsets the firing of the pistons. Everything we do has to be balanced or it wrecks. If you're not balanced, you fall in the ditch on one side. If your car's unbalanced, it blows up. If your tire gets unbalanced, it bounces down the highway. Everything needs balance because balance brings stability. Everything has to have a weight, a counterweight. Uh, your home has to, your house has to. In the winter time, <laughs> you, you have to heat it to offset the cold. In the summertime, you air condition to offset the heat. Everything requires. And I think I've hit that point so far enough. So, all of our world is an intricate set of balances. Our universe is in harmony because God said it that way. There is a balance of nature. We're seeing now, as our earth even rebels under man's sin, we're seeing the imbalance of nature. There's a balanced diet. Anything lopsided brings instability. Now let's read the book and let's see what the Bible says. Job chapter number 37, verse number 14. Job 37, verse 14 says this. This is Elihu speaking. And he says unto Job, hearken unto this, O Job, and stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Watch this. Dost thou know when God disposed them? Job, how much do you really know? Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know, watch this word, underline that word. Dost thou know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? Job, do you know... How nature is balanced. Why did Elihu ask Job that question? Because Job had lost everything he had. He lost his wife. He lost his home. He lost, or not his wife, he lost his children. He lost his home. He lost his business. He lost his health. And Job questioned God. Job wanted to argue with God. And Elihu comes along and says, Job, let me wake you up to something here Do you know how God has intricately balanced nature? And Job would obviously have to say, no, I I don't know how God has intricately balanced nature. Well, then, Job, what I'm trying to show you is if you don't know that, then how do you know what God is doing in your life? And if God is able to balance the universe, if he can speak the world into existence and cause the planets to revolve around the sun in perfect harmony, if he can cause the Andromeda galaxy and the Milky Way galaxy to re- evolve, revolve in the universe, then he can do something in your life that is not out of balance. Job learns a real lesson here. Those questions are a part of a series of questions by Elihu. They were questions designed to cause him to look beyond his circumstances. Job, if God can keep the universe in harmony, he can keep your life in harmony. And Sometimes you and I wonder what goes on in our lives, in our nation, in our world, in our laws, in our government, in our society, even in our communities, and we wonder and question, but let me remind you that we have a God who is perfectly balanced and in harmony. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> our God is a God of equality. He's a God of equilibrium. He's not staggering in his character. God is not wavering in his integrity. And let me remind you, as Elihu was trying to remind Job here, that God doesn't make mistakes. He weighs everything out. And when I say weighs everything out, you know what that is? That's a balance. And you know what God said in the Bible? He said, there's something that I hate, and it is a false balance. In other words, somebody doing unjustly in business. In the Old Testament, they used to do business by putting goods in this side of the balance and putting gold in this side of the balance, and they would weigh it out. And God said, I hate an unjust weight and an unjust balance. You know why? Because God is a God of equilibrium. 159 times in the Bible, it says this, that God is. God is. And I've mentioned this several times. I just want to build on it a little bit for a second here. The Bible says that God is something. So let's find out what God is. The Bible says that God is a consuming fire. Boy, I'm glad that's not the end of that answer, because the Bible also says that God is a God of love. Y'all with me? Let's keep going. God is a God of judgment, but he's also a God of mercy. Thank God. God is a God of comfort, but he's also a God of disquietude. Disquietude means you're unsettled. You ever get that unsettled feeling? Let me tell you something. Sometimes an unsettled feeling is from God. I mean, yes, the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter, capital C. The Holy Spirit was sent to comfort us, but sometimes there's just an unsettled spirit because God's dealing about with us about something. Are you with me in the balance thing here? He's our Lord. And I worship him. He's my Lord. He's my head. I submit to his will. But he's also my friend. Perfect balance. God is in heaven on his throne, but he lives inside of me. Wow. (laughs) Jesus is our shepherd, but he also became one of the sheep. I mean, when you th- what I told you I wanted to do was just give you something to chew on this week. Something to think about. Something that can change our lives. Let me give you these quickly. The roles that God plays. He's our Savior, but he's our judge. He's our provider, but he can also take things away. Job himself said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's our comfort, but he's our disquietude. I already said that. He's our Lord and our friend. But listen, God assumes many roles. He's our shepherd, but he's still one of the sheep. And like you and I, we're going to have to assume many roles. Now God brings balance to his roles. Judgment is balanced with mercy. The hatred of sin is balanced with love. Y'all with me? And you and I are going to have to bring balance to our everyday life to be like God. Number, number one, let me give you some things. One of the, the first major role I play, other than pastor, my pastor, my pastoral role, is my number one role. And we'll look at that in a minute, how that can get. You let the pastor get out of whack, you've got a problem. <laughs> But other than that, my number one role is a husband. I've been married to my wife almost 40 years. And like I say, if you look at her, you can tell that I've took a lot better care of her than she has of <laughs> me. That's my number one role. But now wait a minute. As a man, I could be Brutal. As a leader in the home, I could have what's called today, and there is a certain validity to it toxic masculinity. Or I could be a little henpecked sissy. I hope I'm neither one. I hope as a balanced pastor, I'm a balanced husband. I hope I'm not henpecked. And I hope I'm not brutal. Are y'all with me? I looked for some humor, and I found a little bit right there. Here's a here's a here's an epitaph. John Mumble, the Home County's most henpecked husband, died today. By the terms of his will, he will be cremated, and his ashes will be scattered all over his wife's new living room carpet. <laughs> I have a rooster. And he gets up, he's a big white rooster, and he gets up every morning and he sticks his chest out and he crows. And then the next thing you know, there's about eight hens telling him what to do. (laughs) Uh, I'm a provider. And I've taken that role very seriously. Lisa can tell you that I've labored very hard all my life. I'm a provider. But if I take that provider role very seriously, I could become a workaholic and never think that I could provide enough and I could be so focused on money, money, things, things, things that I get out of balance. And then on the other hand, I could be so complacent and uncaring that I don't care for my family. You know what? As I look at our society... That's kind of where we are. You've got half the country that's working their self to death and the other half of the country is just laying around with their hands out. I'm talking about balance. A provider. I'm a parent. Listen to me, parents. And I hope you parents on Facebook are listening. A parent can become so overprotective of a child and shelter their child so much that it causes a dependency. That child begins to be over-dependent on that parent. They lose their creativity. They lose their independence, uh, and they become unstructured themselves. And yet, on the other hand, the Bible says that a child left to himself bringeth his mother shame. There has to be, in the parenting department, there has to be an equilibrium. There has to be a balance. Let me say this. As we think about our roles, husband, father, parent, wife, uh, worker, employee, I mean, the roles that we play in life, In the will of God, please mark this down in your Bible or somewhere a note. In the will of God, there are no ultimate conflicts. My role as a husband will not conflict with my role as a father. My role as a husband and a father will not conflict with my role as an employee. Are y'all with me? There are, when I am in the perfect will of God, there are no ultimate conflicts. God does not call a man to serve us so that these roles constantly war against each other. So let me answer that question How do I bring the right equilibrium to all of these roles? I do that by surrendering my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows how to perfectly. He displayed, listen to me carefully, He displayed the perfect character in the Word of God. He displayed the perfect His perfect integrity. He displayed exactly who He was. And when I am right with Him, uh, I am in avoidance of all those extremes that I just mentioned. Yes, sir. So how do I bring the right equilibrium to these roles? I need to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you a real good point. I've never heard it anywhere from the pulpit, but I want to give you a really good point. As we study our Bibles, we find that everything in the Old Testament is a type of Jesus Christ. The temple was a type of Christ, was it not? Come on. Y'all are looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. (laughs) The temple was a type of Jesus Christ. And you walked in the temple, there was the table of shoe bread. It was a type of Christ being the bread of life, right? Over there would be the lampstand, the type of Jesus being the light of the world. Up there in the front was the brazen altar and the altar or the altar of incense, and, and that incense was a type of our prayers, and behind that curtain was the holy of holies. And everything in there is a type of Jesus Christ. Now let me give you this, because I, I want you to get this in your mind, and it's going to reveal something about the character of God, and it's going to reveal something about our character. When the Jew was to prepare the meal offering, now they not only had meat offerings when they'd bring a sacrifice, they were also to bring meal offerings. And God said this, when you bring and prepare a meal offering, you make sure that it is of fine flour. You know why? There'd be no lumps in it. So that means that was a type of Christ and that means there would be no lumps in his personality. Now, I'm going to look at you dead now and, and tell you, just like me, you got lumps in your personality. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you try to balance. I don't care how much you think you've got the bull by the horns or life by the horns. You've got some problems, man. Jesus did not. So when I line up with Jesus, he starts taking the lumps out of my personality. In other words, the lump in that meal represented, let me put it like this. All of our brains are developed, and some people, their one side of their brain is overdeveloped at the, cent- at the expense of another side of their brain. Uh, amen? I mean, Einstein was... Man, was he overdeveloped. I mean, was he a genius, but he couldn't tie his own shoes. And we all know people, we can look at somebody else and see it. Well, they got a lumpy personality. They're brilliant here and stupid there. Yeah. So are we all. Amen, Preacher. But Christ was not. He was a very balanced person. So here's what I'm saying. There was a smoothness and an even, evenness to Jesus Christ. And one part of his personality was not overdeveloped at the expense of another part of his personality. I know people and I wonder sometimes the, the communications part of their brain was overdeveloped at the expense of the thinking part of their brain. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to make any more comments there <laughs> our Lord had no lumps in his personality amen Let me give you something else. There's another place in Leviticus chapter number 21 where the requirements for the Old Testament priest, if you were in line to be chosen for an Old Testament priest, they would literally strip you down and make sure there were no blemishes on your body. If you had a blemish on your body, you could not serve as an Old Testament priest because Jesus Christ was perfect. And the Old Testament priest was a type of Christ, and he had to be perfect. Matter of fact, they mentioned some things. There could be no blemish, no blind, no lame. The Bible even says he couldn't even have a flat nose. I guess that didn't, the way mine sticks out, it wouldn't bother me any. I mean, if I turn sideways and stick my tongue out, I look like a zipper anyway, so... What are you saying, preacher? That Christ was perfect. He's perfectly balanced, no blemish. He fit all those requirements a smoothness and evenness to Christ. He was a well rounded individual. There was nothing in his body, nothing in his mind, nothing was distorted or unrestrained. The Lord was perfect and he maintained that perfection. Yet he was subject to the extremes of life. I want you to think about this with me. The perfect man was subject to all the radical extremes of life. So much that they radically nailed him to the cross of Calvary. The perfect man, the most well-balanced individual that had ever walked the face of planet earth and they treated him so radically that they spit on him, they crucified him and nailed him to a cross. Wow. (laughs) He was subject to the extremes. You know what I think of God sending his own son, his perfect son, his well-rounded son, into the world. But yet when he sent him, he sent Christ to a working-class family. So he would grow up experiencing life from the bottom up. Amen. One of the problems in America today is we've, we've had companies and corporations in the past that have been built by men who started at the bottom and went to the top. And now we're filled with college graduates who have no clue what it's like to be on the bottom, and they're wrecking our companies. I'm talking about balance. Amen. Jesus Christ was perfectly balanced. He was experienced at life. Let me draw your attention to something about the life of Jesus Christ. When you find him reacting in the word of God to all these situations, he always acted appropriately. He never overreacted to any situation. He never underreacted to any situation. He met every situation appropriately. You see, preacher, but I read in my Bible that, he, that the Bible says the zeal of thine house hath eaten him up, and he drove people from the temple with a whip. That's radical, preacher. No, it was radical for them to get in there and be dishonest and sell and make, it, make the house of God a den of thieves. So the reason he did that was to offset or balance out the zeal of the house of the Lord ate him up because he had to offset the wickedness that was was going on in the temple. And that's what's wrong with our country today. We don't have anybody, law enforcement, government officials, to offset the wickedness that's going on today. I'm about to get angry. When I see teenagers, 150 teenagers, gather up in a horde and break into businesses and ransack the businesses and steal everything they possibly can and run off without punishment, something is wrong. Well, let me get back to being a balanced person here. Christ, how do I, how do I maintain all these roles? Let me give you some example from scripture. I don't even know how I got off on that. I'm to work and provide. And I think this will be about all I have time for today. And I'm going to give you more and more examples I am to work, amen. You are to work. God himself worked in the book of Genesis. (laughs) Do you know how labor intense it must have been to create the universe? I mean, I know we spoke it into existence, and you and I think, well, God just went pooh. No, he didn't. Do you know how much planning it took? Do you know how much creativity it took? Well, I just look at a colony of ants, and I go, my, I marvel at it. I mean, that's just an ant. And yet all of our gases, all of everything in this world, our, our, our earth, our atmosphere, everything. Listen, God labored. God labored in creation. And I'm to work like God. God was labor intent. Jesus said this in John five seventeen, The Father worketh hitherto, and I work. God taught his son to work. Talked to a man yesterday. He didn't teach his son to work. The son got on meth. He bailed him out of jail many times. Got him out of the gutter many times. The young man wrecked his life. He said, I'm to the point to where I don't know what to do. You know why? He didn't teach his son to labor. God worked, and he labored. But now wait a minute. We're talking about balance. God worked. Jesus worked. He tells me that if I don't provide for my own, I'm worse than an infidel, and I've denied the faith. (laughs) But God also balances it with rest. You have to sleep every day, don't you? Every 24-hour period, God balanced it with rest. In Leviticus chapter number 25, God gives laws concerning rest. He even set aside the Sabbath day as a day of rest. You know what you're doing today? You're sitting there resting. Now, I'm not, but you are. Hey, today... Sunday, the first day of the week now, is designed for you to take a day off, amen, and you to put your mind in a state of worship, get your mind at rest, you know what it is? It's rest for your mind. I don't mind if he's yawning and about to go to sleep. It's a, it's a day of rest. Amen. I've thought about getting a squirt gun for Lois. I Miss Lois. I've missed where she at. She, she's awake. Hey, I t- you know what? Sunday's a day to set aside to honor God. Amen. And to, I don't even like to hear a lawnmower running. If you mow your yard today, I hope you choke on supper. Hey. It's Listen, God set aside laws for rest. He said, you work, you labor, but you rest when needed. I mean, think about sleep. Think about the Sabbath day. God even said for the land, when you sow your fields, six years you sow your fields and reap your fields. But even the seventh year, let that whole year, let it lay rest. Now, I've often thought about that. I thought, man, if I could take a year off every seven years, that'd be, that'd be a great shame. <laughs> Amen. I'm not even sure how that worked. Evidently, they stored up enough to make sure that you're good for the seventh year. So the Sabbath day was a way of bringing balance to the person's life. Rest breaks, breaks proper sleep habits, yada, yada. Work Oh, the Bible says this. In 2 Thessalonians, you don't have to turn there. Paul said this, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. I'm in the New Testament. I ate dinner last Sunday at Pizza Plus in Glade Spring. And Roger and Joanne bought my dinner. (laughs) And... We talked to the manager before we left. He said, mister, he said, I own three Pete's Pluses. And he said, right now, I could hire nine people, and nobody wants to work. For even when we were with you, this we commanded that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Verse 11, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Amen. Let me just stop right there. i got to close. And I guess I'll close right there for preaching on America because that's where we are today, celebrating the 4th of July. We no longer have a balanced government. We no longer have a balanced budget. We no longer have a balanced society. We are taxing it up to 40%, per- we're taxing people up to 40% and giving it to the lazy. I will not retract that statement. And I'm going to read to you a statement that I love, that I completely agree with, and it came from one of my heroes in the faith. His name is Adrian Rogers. I've been wanting to use this quote for a long time, but it just now fit in. Here's what he said. You cannot legislate the poor into prosperity by legislating the wealthy out of prosperity. When one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. The government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from somebody else. When half of the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them, and when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for, that, my dear friend, is the beginning of the end of any nation. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. That's where we've come to as a nation. If there was ever a day that our nation needs to get on its knees, get back to God, get to the Lord Jesus Christ, and find some moderation, some equilibrium, and some balance, it is today. I'll say this and I'll close. Our country, again, is like a pendulum. We swing to the right. We swing to the left. We argue over the next political party to put in place because the left has took us so far. we're wrecking in the ditch, this, on this side, and we elect somebody who's radically right, and they wreck us in the ditch on the other side. See, preacher, I don't like it. I don't care. I'm just telling you the truth. Mark Twain said this: if you're a left-winger or a right- winger. He said the left wing and the right wing are attached to the same bird. You're welcome. Let me tell you, let me just give you some practical advice for life right now. This is from George. When you drive out of here today, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. If you swing too far to the left, you're going to wreck in the left ditch. If you swing too far to the right, you're going to to wreck in the right ditch. And you know what I do? To stay on my side of the road, I hold to the right, but not too far to the right. Because here's, let me give you this for an example. I've seen preachers, and I'm just gonna say it like it is. A preacher ought to be in the right. Amen. You ought to be in the book. You ought to be preaching right. You ought to be living right. You ought to be making a right example. But I've seen preachers get in the ditch on the right. And they become proud, haughty, arrogant. Spiritual pride eats them up because they are in the right. They get Pharisaical, legalistic. Amen. Amen. And you know what they do? They wreck in that ditch. God help us to hold to the right, hold to the book. Let me tell you something it'll bring balance. You'll stay on your side of the road, you won't get hit head on or wreck in either ditch. Amen. I make no apologies for any statement that I've made. I truly believe everything I've preached to you. I preach to you not only from the Word of God, I preach to you from experience. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's what I want to do as I address you. Maybe there's one here this morning that you're lost. You don't know Christ as your Savior. The reason you're lost is because sin has unbalanced your life. The reason you're lost is because sin has taken you so far to the left, away from God, that it took the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross to reach far from the right, and gets you far to the left and bring you, as Jesus Christ is known, a mediator. You know what a mediator is? He's the man in the middle. <laughs> and this morning, if you're lost, Jesus Christ wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of your sins and... He wants to give you the life that you know you could live. You're struggling with sin. You're struggling with the world. You're struggling with the extremes. And the extremes are about to drive you crazy. If you'll get to Christ, he'll give you a sound mind according to the word of God. Would there be one here this morning who'd slip up your hands and say, Preacher, I'm lost. I don't know Christ. Would you admit that? Nobody's going to come to you, embarrass you, point you out. Nobody's looking around. Would you slip up here? Preacher, I'm lost. I need to be saved. Anybody? Okay. I'm going to just move on. Christian, this is the first in this series, maybe a three, two, I don't know. And if you'll stay with me through this series and pay attention to take notes, I promise you this will change your life and help you to become more like Jesus Christ, that person with no lumps in their personality. (laughs) And yeah, I've got a few in mind I'm still working on. Amen. But it sure helps to get it worked on. Amen. Thank you for your attention. I'm going to let Brian dismiss us in a word of prayer.
1: Dearly Father, Lord, as we close the service this morning, Lord, we just thank you for the practical truths from your word this morning, Lord. And I thank you that as we gather and meet as a church, Lord, there's times we need exhortation, Lord. There's times we need encouragement, and there's times we just need practical truth, Lord. And this morning, I thank you for the message, Lord, that's been delivered. I pray we'd be obedient to be in our spot these next few weeks, Lord, just to gain insight as to how we can have a balanced life, Lord. Lord, in this world we live in with all the crazy things pulling us in so many different directions, Lord, it's easy to get off kelter. But, Lord, I just thank you that if we'll just put our base and our foundation upon the Word of God, Lord, you'll help us to balance all things out. Lord, I just pray you'd be with us now as we go our separate ways, Lord, as we have opportunity in the days ahead, Lord, even just as we prepare to celebrate the fourth, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we would just consider and be reminded of what it is to be a, an American, And, Lord, just bless us as we go our separate ways and bless our time with our families, Lord, and just give us a desire to be back in your house at the next appointed time. We'll thank you and praise you for allowing us just to be under your word this morning, Lord, and let us be more than hearers, let us be doers. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. amen. Amen.